Recently, I've been reading a lot of books, and I think this started over the winter break when I really had nothing to do, and so I would just watch a ton of YouTube videos, and I guess whatever the YouTube gods were giving me were a, just like a ton of book recommendations, and it sounds kind of weird to like watch book recommendations, but it actually... Some of them are pretty good. I think one of the ones that I really like watching, I think his name is Jack Reads, or there's two of them named Jack, but one of them I like more than the other, but they just do such a good job of going into why they enjoyed a book, what the book was about, and kind of their takeaways without giving spoilers. Um, but today I just want to talk about kind of the books I've been reading recently, and I will not be spoiling though I have a hard time distinguishing between what is considered a spoiler and what isn't. Um, but I guess one of my goals for this year is to read 15 books. I think that's probably more than any number of books I've read since the beginning of college. I mean, obviously, I would be the one kid that actually reads the HSS books at Cooper, despite being an engineering student. But even that, I probably have only read like maybe 10 books over the last three years, which is kind of sad, but at least I read them, you know? <laughs> um, so I think so far as of now, according to my Apple Books app, though most people use Kindle, um, I kind of use Apple Books because I found a way for to get them for free, which though I don't recommend to other people, if you are interested, I can let you know how I do it. Um, but as of now, what's my progress. I've read seven books this year and it is only the 23rd of January. So that's very telling about how I've been spending my time recently as well as how how bored I've felt or how much transportation I've been on. Um, but the first book I read was, I think the reason why it's a comic is because getting back into reading is kind of daunting because when you think of reading, you think of reading like large amounts of text with, you know, the really tiny font with the paper, not even paper thin. It's like the paper that's so fragile that it like rips every time you flip the page. You, I mean, like when I think of reading, that's kind of what I think of. And it like kind of intimidates me. So I started with a comic and it was kind of a random comic. I don't really remember how I came across this book, but it's called The First Sequel by The Odd Ones Out. The Odd Ones Out is a YouTuber that I am not an avid watcher of, to be honest. I think I just come across their videos every once in a while, but I was like, whatever, I'll read it. Um, and it was actually pretty interesting. I would probably give it like a three or four out of 10. It wasn't like mind blowing. There was no real plot. It was kind of like a memoir in terms of comics. Um, it goes into how he came across YouTube and what he was doing before and how he feels about it now. Um, the next book I read was actually um, The Love Hypothesis by Hazel, by Allie Hazelwood. And I have never really been one to read romance novels, but this book, I think Haley Pham recommended it. Haley Pham and other people. I say that because I will watch Haley Pham's book recommendations, but I don't follow them entirely because sometimes she'll just be like, this book was so great. This book was so great. And like, that doesn't really tell me much. Um, but I read The Love Hypothesis by Hazel, um, by Allie Hazelwood, and it was really good, actually. Um, 
the story kind of starts with one of those hard to believe scenarios. Um, but obviously it's a romance novel, so it's not really going to be realistic, but it's really captivating in that you kind of keep flipping the pages because you want to know what happens in the relationship. Um, and the next book I read because I was like, Oh, do I like romance novels? Um, was love and other words by Christina Lauren. And this is probably one of my favorite books so far, um, in terms of like a novel and a story. Um, I know Christina Lauren is a very popular writer. Um, but I think the book was just really good because the plot all tied together. The writing style was consistent. The story made sense. And there was like, there's a, let me read what I wrote. Cause every time I finish a book, I like write something on my Finsta and that's like my record of, it's like my review of the book. Let's say, when did I read this? I actually finished this on January 3rd. Um, I said, this book made me cry and laugh out loud. Definitely recommend. It's cheesy, but also intriguing. The storyline isn't bland and it isn't easy to predict. It's got timeline jumps, but they're all put well together. I really liked it. Never thought I'd be one to enjoy romance novels. Who am I becoming? Um, it's about childhood lovers who get separated because of, and then I wrote in parentheses, interesting plot detail I cannot give away, <laughs> close parentheses. And then they find each other years later and it's kind of cute and the character development goes beyond romantic development. So it's like you really get to know them and their faults and their strengths. And yeah, that's probably my best summary of the book it's like you really get to know the readers beyond their relationship you know them in context of their struggles you know them in context of their um strengths um and overall it was just a really really good book it was so touching and the writing is so vivid like you can really imagine what's going on even it feels like you're in the room with the characters is really what i'm trying to say it's just really good i i really would recommend it i would give it five stars um <clears throat> The next book I read was How to Not Die Alone by Logan Urie. And I guess, when did I finish that? It, was, it took me a long time to finish, to be honest. I guess I finished it three days ago. And if I finished Christina Lauren's book on January 3rd, it took me 20 days to read about, give or take, maybe 17, 17 days to read, which sounds like a reasonable amount of time, but because it was winter break, that meant that every day I was probably reading one or two pages and it just got like really dense. But this is actually one of the most mm, influential books, I would say, of the month so far. Um, <clears throat> it's just like, what's the ch the title of the book? It's not just how not to how to not die alone. It's how to not die alone, the surprising signs that will help you find love. And again, I think this is building off of my train of reading romance novels. I was like, oh, maybe I should read the, like a romance science book because I used to really enjoy reading Malcolm Gladwell. And I thought that this kind of gave off the same vibe. Also, there was a guy on YouTube who recommended it. Um, let me look up. Ali, I forgot his last name. Let me look it up. This guy makes like a lot of videos on productivity and um, he's just, he's, I think he's a doctor and he does YouTube part-time. He's honestly so down to earth despite being so accomplished that it's so like easy and lighthearted to watch his videos. He gives a lot of 
um, really useful advice. And he is just really there to make his audience feel like there's a ton of resources to do better in life. Um, his last name is Abdal and it's spelled A-B-D-A-A-L. Um, I just really love his books. And I think this was um, the book I saw in his video, 15 books to read in 2022. Again, I was going to YouTube for book recommendations. Um, and I think I will still continue to do that as like strange as that sounds like watching a video on someone talk about a book they read. Yeah, it's kind of abstract, but I actually really enjoy it. Um, and the next book I read was Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And I think I saw this on um, one of Jack's, let's see. Yeah, Jack in the Books. That's his YouTube um, channel name. And I saw it in his like book reviews. He reads like a ton of books. I think he said he read like 164 books. Yes. So 13 days ago, he posted um, a video called All 164 Books I Read in 2021. Um, and... This is where I came across this book. He said it was a really touching book and I was really intrigued by that because sometimes you just want to read a book that like makes you cry and like there's no real reason or need to cry, but sometimes it's just nice to cry when the story is just so captivating. Like you feel like you're, I don't know, feel like you're there. <laughs> um, so in my Finsta post, I wrote this three days ago, um, I finished reading Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi, and I cried three times while reading it. It was an emotional book that brought so many sad scenarios, but ends with a moving conclusion about emotions and how they're never a waste of time. They're so sad that sometimes you put yourself in the shoes of the character and you feel like you really did lose someone close to you. It's one of those books where you cry because things go wrong, but smile in the end because of the positive outlooks it highlights and encourages despite, despite the tragedies of life. Um, I finished it in two days because even though it doesn't have many pages, it is so emotionally heavy that it takes time to process. Um, yeah, so the basis of the book is that there's this cafe and you can time travel when you um, drink the coffee there, but there is a time limit and it is before the coffee gets cold. I think it doesn't have amazing reviews on Goodreads, but I think it's worth a read if you are looking for something short and something dense i would say the writing style is a little bit hard to follow mostly because the names are a little bit long and sometimes the time jumps i feel like there maybe could have been stronger I, I really don't know what could have made it better because i'm not that great of a writer but i think it's missing like one percent of something that like would have really just made it fantastic um the book i read after that was i started reading this on the train I think it's called My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. And basically this book is kind of, let me just go back to my fence. <laughs> I said, this is a strange book to read. It gives a lot of insight to someone who has been surrounded by the word beauty so much in her life that she can no longer distinguish between being beautiful and being herself. She raises a bunch of interesting points about the cons of being beautiful. It's kind of weird how she can make you pity her beauty. She disperses recounts of assault and rape in a way that is true to how she tries to dismiss the severity of them. You don't really relate to her through the book, but you kind of get an understanding. The structure of the book is kind of choppy and feels a bit like a string of text from her notes app, but her writing is pretty smooth and cohesive. It does reveal a lot about the modeling industry and big money. I feel like 
It feels less like she's trying to get to a point and more like she's trying to tell you a bunch of stories she remembers so that you can see where she's coming from, all in the context of her body. I think, well, Emrata is a very world-famous model, but I think what was so striking about this is that as a girl, you can kind of relate to some of her stories, but obviously not all of them. Um, But it's just really interesting to see. I mean, the most shocking part, to me was how she writes so plainly about these really tough things that is that have happened to her. Um, she also touches on like the jealousy between women and also the jealousy of her mother. Like her mother is jealous of her beauty in some sense and kind of in a very slightly toxic way takes merit and like she basically takes her mother basically takes I don't want to give it... Well, it's not really giving it away. It's kind of a memoir, but um, I'm sure it was a controversial book. And it sounds like it came out pretty recently. But I think mm, the striking part was the assault parts and also the way she addresses how her mother has taken her beauty as if it were hers. Okay, I said her twice, but I meant... It's strange how Emily's mom has taken Emily's beauty as if it is her own. And it's kind of like a weird, you know, when people are like, oh, you have your mom's nose or you have your dad's eyes. But in a way for her scenario, it's like her mom is saying, oh, you're so beautiful and so successful because you have my nose. And that's why you're so beautiful and so successful. It's because it's my nose. And now that I'm old, it's kind of like you took that beauty away from me. Um, I think that's kind of a sick way of talking to a child, but it is what she reveals in her book. Um, And the last book I read, I think I finished this earlier today, and I started it earlier today, was Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. And this book was kind of strange and different in all the books I've read recently because it goes into kind of the mind of someone who's... I don't want to, like, give it away, but... Mm, she just doesn't fit into society. And there's, I don't know if it's like, it never reviews if it's like asexuality or autism or what it is, but there's just something different about the way she thinks. Um, So I wrote, finish this book while at work. It was a fast read. The beginning was hard to read, but very quickly you start to understand that the main character You start to understand the main character, even if she's different. The basis is that she works at a convenience store because she finds that she thinks different to others and appreciates the steadiness and the monotony of working there. She likes that she can mimic the people and follow a rule book so that she comes across as normal. While it is mostly a story, it brings us some interesting points about human nature and the patterns of human behavior through history in the form of a bad partner she accepts into her life and hopes to become more normal. She sees everyday issues as a singular with she sees everyday issues as singular with simple solutions if they're extreme, even if they're extreme. The book has a simple and logical ending, just like how the main character would have liked it. So I think I would give this book a three stars out of five because it wasn't captivating but it was honestly very interesting to read and I think I'm one to enjoy captivating stories ones that really make me feel like I am the main character (laughs) but um or like at least I'm in the same room this one you don't really feel like you're in the same room you feel like you're watching a show um mostly because the character is so distant but again I think that is because the author may be 
this sense of distance is built into the character development of the main character. So in that sense, I would probably give it five stars, but I wouldn't actually read it again. Yeah, I think it's very well written. I think it's smooth. I think everything about it makes sense. The plot flows. And I think it's very interesting, the choice of style of writing that the author chose to use um, and how that kind of adds to the character development. But because the main character isn't really made to be liked, it's kind of like hard to like the book, but it's very well written. Okay, I'm just going in circles, but I hope you get what I mean. Um, all of them are really great books, but I think the book that has really changed the way I think recently and definitely took me the longest to read was How to... Oh, sorry about the voice crack. <laughs> How to Not Die Alone. Um, so the content didn't span many pages. I, I don't actually have the physical book. I read it on my phone. Um, but it was incredibly dense in terms of thought and value. So Logan Yuri um, starts with... In her introduction, she kind of goes into this idea of intentional love and choosing love versus falling in love um, and how great relations, great relationships are built and not discovered. Because there's kind of this like, everyone has this idea that like love is something you fall into or like it just comes to you because of I guess like Disney and unrealistic expectations as well as social media, people just tend to make it look like it just happened out of nowhere. Um, and I think that's, she kind of brings up this point because she's saying that like a, the reason why a lot of us can't find love is because we believe that it's going to come to us and that it's, it's like something you fall into. It's not something you choose. It's not something you work on. And so she kind of uses this book to break down that myth by going into three sections. She starts with getting ready and then she goes to getting out there and she ends with getting serious. So in her section called getting ready, um, she kind of goes into this. She starts with this idea and there's like a mini quiz on that section that can kind of tell you which type of person you category you fall into um but some people will say things like you have to be your perfect self before you go into a relationship and I think that's probably where I fall into I feel like everything has to be perfect about myself and about others um not about others like other people don't have to be perfect in my eyes but I feel like I have to be perfect before I can let someone else come into my life but she says that that's entirely false because if you were perfect I guess it means you're already grown, but like fall, like being in love is being able to grow with someone else. Um, and so she categorizes people as either a romanticizer, a maximizer, or a hesitator. And a romanticizer, she kind of defines it as someone who believes in like a happily ever after kind of love, kind of something where like these people believe that love comes to you and Prince Charming is just around the corner and just hasn't happened to have walked into you yet. Um, she defines a maximizer as someone who does too much research, sets a ton of requirements, and wants to be 100% certain that the choice they've made is the one that's correct. Um, I definitely see myself being a maximizer. Um, I did take the quiz and I think I am a maximizer. Um, but you have to really take the quiz without like thinking too hard. I think... Yeah, you just have to really not be thinking about it to take the quiz and get, like, a real answer. Um, 
a real evaluation as to which category you fall into. Um, and I think like a maximizer also, my like maximizer traits are very apparent when I purchase things. I like will do a ton, a ton of research just to buy something as simple as like a pair of gloves. I'm like, is this the most waterproof? Is this the highly rated? What's the warmth factor? And just like do a ton of like unnecessary research when I could just be okay with what I want and just go with which like satisfies that. Um, and so the next thing she goes into, the next category she goes into is the hesitator. And the hesitator is someone who feels that because you're not ready or because they're not perfect, they're not the perfect version of themselves that they can't be in a relationship and they want to feel completely ready and certain before accepting others. It's kind of this like misconstrued idea that you have to be perfect before other people can love you. And it's very interesting to see that like everyone can fall into one of these three. Um, and obviously you don't fall only into one of these three. Sometimes you're a percentage of one and a percentage of other another. But I think recognizing which one you are is really valuable to you because it helps you recognize your kind of assumptions about love that won't really help you. Um, a notable thing that she goes through in that chapter is being a satisficer. And that's a portmanteau of the word satisfice. I mean, satisfy and suffice. Um, I think like a good example would be, I think the one she uses is like resumes. When you're hiring someone, how do you know that you have the best candidate? Like, obviously, if you get a hundred applica- a thousand applications, it'd be way too much to, like, go through all of them. Or, yeah, so the best way to do it is to, like, set a benchmark for yourself and then use that benchmark as a means to compare everything else to. So even in terms of relationships, let's say, let's say you're 40 and you've had seven relationships um, and you're hoping to get married by 45. Like, based on those several relationships, which was the best, which was the worst, which was average, and use those scenarios and those cases to kind of compare whoever you're going on a date with um, and use that to determine whether or not you think it will work out. Um, I think this is useful beyond, like, dating. I think it's also useful for things like schoolwork and day-to-day life. Like, obviously, you can spend so much time finding the perfect sweater, the perfect set of shoes, the perfect, I don't know, pair of gloves. But really, all you really need to do is determine that, like, at the 37% mark or what you think is 30% of the total research you could do, like, once you've maybe looked at, like, two web pages, um, determine, like, which one of the two you've seen really meets the requirements that you are looking for and then use that as kind of your benchmark for the next set of things you're looking at and use that to compare. Because when you look at so many things, it's kind of hard to compare them all to each other. So looking at a small subgroup, picking the best and using that as a benchmark, I think has been a really useful thing to acknowledge. And I think... I will continue to use that in my life beyond, like, relationships. Um, Obviously, I'm not looking to date, so, like, this book really wasn't going to be useful very much to me in, like, their direct sense. Um, But I think a lot of it you can take away from because even if she writes about romantic relationships, I think relationships in general are very 
important in life. Like it changes the way I feel about myself and my relationships with other people changes the way I feel about my day and about them and like my, my view, you could say, um, on life. Um, and finally she ends her first section with attachment style. Now there's like a ton of videos on attachment styles on YouTube that like would probably be useful to review. But once you start, I find in my opinion that once I start watching these videos, I kind of go through like a rabbit hole of like, Oh, how were you raised and why you're fucked up kind of <laughs> videos. And like, it's very hard for me to watch those because I just like come to a conclusion that I was just raised wrong and I'm fucked up. But so I would just be, I think Logan Yuri does a really good job of like summarizing it short and sweet and like it's just enough to like get what you need and recognize who you are and what style you are. Um, I think I'm like some sort of anxious attachment style. Like I, yeah, I don't honestly, it's not even worth going into. Um, I feel very insecure about like giving too much attention or getting too much attention kind of thing. And that goes beyond relationship, like romantic relationships. Like even in class, I'm like, oh, do I raise my hand too much? Should I not have raised my hand? Should I raise my hand more? That kind of thing. And it, I'm always like, oh, what do they think of me if I did this? Honestly, it's a whole spiel, but moving on. <laughs> Section two is getting out there. Um, so getting out there is Logan Yuri's chapter on dating in the modern world. And so with a lot of dating apps, uh, she goes into things like the paradox of choice, um, she goes into something she calls giving people a chance despite the spark. So a spark, I think she defines as like that moment when you're like, Ugh, this person is perfect. Like I feel amazing and like everything's perfect and falling into line and it's only the first date. Um, and I think I've definitely experienced that with people um, in my life. I'm like, wow, this person's amazing. But Slowly but surely, you realize that, like, the people who are amazing and who catch your eye at first glance are probably the people who do that for everyone else, you know? And I think what Logan Yuri brings up is the fact that love is not something that is going to be spicy all the time, you know? It's like a good, well-marinated curry that is mellow in some parts and a kicker in the others. And I think that's kind of why she's, like, giving people a chance makes you recognize that sometimes you have unrealistic and unnecessary criterias because with the modern day dating apps, you can only really like list things like what movies you like, how tall you are, how much you weigh. And it's as if those things really matter when they don't, because what you're really looking for is someone who will be there for you when it's like tough to figure things out. Like when you have kids and you only have a certain amount of money and you can't decide whether you want to send one kid to the doctor or send the other to school, you know? I think it's like you're looking... Love is like a, a relationship where you're willing to make tough decisions with someone else. And that's not something you can write down in a dating app. Like, it would also be kind of weird if someone was like, I will go to the cancer clinic with you. Like, that's kind of strange, but, like, that's kind of what you are technically looking for. Um... So she kind of says that, like, give people a chance beyond the spark. You know, you'll never know until you get to know someone. So you have to give people that second date and then the third date and then that fourth date. And then you figure out, does it go somewhere for you, you know, or is it going nowhere? And then you use that as a benchmark for your next, I don't know, your next date. Um, I think that's, like, a really interesting way of looking at it. I think watching my sisters, mainly Renee, date, 
in the modern world has been like kind of hard to watch, to be honest. And also, actually, all of it has been hard to watch. Um, mostly because like, how can you know that you're excited to meet someone when it's only really the only thing you really know is like the baseline stuff, and then they come back after a date and they'll be really sad. They're like, oh, he's missing a tooth. Oh, he has stomach issues. And that would be really bad for our, our gene pool if we were to have kids. And like, to me, that's really not how I think about things. And so, I mean, I've also gone on like Tinder dates, but like I definitely am one of those people who turns the date into an interview, which she also goes over. Um, she calls like dating versus, she has a chapter on dating versus interview. And I think... <clears throat> An interview is something you kind of are anxious about most times. Um, and the difference between a date and an interview is how you feel. So like in both a date and an interview, you're talking about yourself, you're talking about your history, you're talking about your goals and aspirations. But the difference is how does that person make you feel? Obviously, an interview is going to make you feel nervous because they're the ones offering or not offering a job. But when you're dating someone, you should always ask yourself how you feel in that scenario. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel like this person's listening? Do you Are you fascinated by them? Are you overwhelmed by them? That kind of thing. I think that's like things to keep in mind when you're hanging out with someone just in general. Um, the last thing she goes through is her section called Getting Serious. And she goes over some key points such as decide, don't slide, hitching and ditching, breakup plans, and intentional love. Those are kind of her table of contents, like chapter breakdowns. Um, decide, don't slide is that whole thing with intentional love. A lot of couples tend to just slide into moving in together and slide into marriage because it's like the logical step. Like after being together for seven years, you're like, oh, I guess we should just get married um, or we should just start dating um, kind of thing and or like, we should be in a relationship and it's like not as strong of a relationship. If you just slide into things, you have to be intentional and like spell it out together. You have to be like, is this what we want? Has it been good? What can we work on? And like doing those things, I think beyond a romantic relationship, I do this with my friends too. It's like evaluating what has worked and what hasn't worked. So, I mean, even for me, I've been using this for not for forever, but recently, um, I'm like asking my friends like, Hey, how was your day? You know? And like, did I make you feel comfortable when you were going through a tough part of your day? That kind of thing. And I think that's very useful in being a better person. And I think it shows that you're listening and willing to compromise and willing to help someone out. Um, the next thing is hitching and ditching. It's like, I think she goes through kind of she reviews a set of people who have been in a relationship for a long time and can't decide if they want to stay or want to just leave because some people feel that there's like, once you've made an investment of so much time, it's not worth it to start again. But she does a lot of analysis into like what makes it worth it and if it's still worth it. And so this chapter wasn't really relatable for me, but I think it's very useful for other people in the future, if they do come into a scenario where they can't decide if it's time to leave or if they should stay. Um, and she also goes through breakup plans. And I think it's very interesting how she says that, like, when you break up with someone, you have to be, you have to plan it because you have to account for how they 
feel, what they will do, where they will live if you've moved in together, um, what you will do, how you will move on, and those kinds of things. Like breaking up without a plan is kind of dangerous because then you're kind of like just sticking your head in the sand and like waiting for a path to come your way. But being intentional about what you want after breakup is very valuable. Um, so I guess like through the three sections, my key, my three, three, my three key takeaways, um, were that first love should be by choice and it's not something you fall into and take for granted. It's something that you work on with someone else and build and you grow together. Um, a second thing would be nothing will happen upon you. You have to work for it and you have to recognize how other people may be struggling to work for it, but you kind of have to be willing to compromise and listen and determine what you want from a relationship and determine what they want and kind of compare and figure out where you guys go from there. And the third thing is working on yourselves is figuring out what you want, what works best for you, how you feel around someone else. And that is what working on yourself means. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect in order to be the perfect partner. It means that you are asking yourself constantly, what do you want? What has been working? And how do you feel? And obviously this whole book is about love and love interests and romantic relationships. But I think I've been able to kind of convert these three takeaways into um, things that are more applicable to my life. Um, the first would be intentional relationships, ask, like actively assessing what I want from my friendships with others, um, not letting things slip. And so always asking kind of like, are we slipping into friendship or proximity because it's convenient and like maybe we should address what's going on. Um, the second and more important thing that I've taken away from this is listening to others being aware of other people's desires based on what they say, um, trying to figure out what other people need day to day. Do they need support? Do they need advice? And do they just need me to be there physically or emotionally, that kind of thing. And in her getting ready part, she talks about how great partners are the ones that are emotionally stable and what attracts people and strong relationships to these stable people is that other people recognize this emotional stability as being dependable and being a strength. And whenever I've considered myself successful, it's always been at a price of my emotional stability. So I think I would say like my junior year of high school and I guess my last semester at Cooper, which was my first, my fall semester of my junior year, um, I spread myself so thin to get things like awards, good grades, recognition, not realizing that I'm not taking care of myself and assessing what I want and what I need and building a relationship and strengthening my relationships with others by figuring out what they want and what they need. And I think I've learned from this book that I have to listen in order to be able to be more emotionally stable. I have to listen to myself and listen to other people. And I think that while I have considered myself successful in these points in my life, I wasn't really listening at those points. And I hope that maybe this semester is a chance for me to be a better listener and give other people peace of mind as well as myself while also doing things that I consider successful. I want to be a good student, but also a good friend. So I guess my goals for this semester is 
being regimented with my habit tracker and my task tracker, I think this really helped me in my last semester. I think it kept me on top of my work. I used to bullet journal, but it kind of got really tedious and I would get too into the details of the art of it and not focus on being productive. So I actually purchased Amanda Rachley's bullet journal and I use Google Calendar to kind of keep on track with my like classes and my schedule. But I also use an Excel sheet to keep track of my tasks and I rank it by due date. And it was really useful last semester. It was recommended by Cam and I'm really happy to have learned that that's a system that works for me. My next goal for this semester is finding a gym schedule that works for me and recognizing that going to the gym and bettering my body will inadvertently also help my academics. I think I call this my 8 p.m. dilemma. It's between like 5 to 8 p.m. generally. <laughs> um where I'm stuck at home or at school and I'm struggling on a question. I've been struggling for like two and a half hours. And for some reason in my mind, I'm like, well, school closes at 11. And if you just struggle for three more hours, you'll figure it out. And that's what I told myself every day last semester. And eventually I never really figured it out. Maybe I'd get like 60% of the way there. But I want to learn that like, instead of dragging myself through something and constantly getting distracted and letting time pass, I should just go to the gym, take a shower, feel relaxed, look over the material, just briefly figure out what I don't understand because knowing what you don't know is probably one of the more useful things I've recognized. Um, and look over and wake up early and try my best to figure out the rest. If I can't figure it out, then I can't figure it out. And I have to recognize that sitting there for another three hours at 8 p.m. is really not going to help me. Um, and I should just find a better gym system. As of now, I go to Williamsburg and it's kind of been way too far and the trains have been kind of sketchy. So I, I still have to, I'm still working on this. I don't have a solution just yet, but that's one of my second goals for the semester. Um, my third goal comes from this Logan Yuri book is satisfying, being happy with the decision without overthinking them. I tend to fixate on getting a hundred or setting a goal and then just constantly moving the goal and not being satisfied with what I achieve. But I think this semester, I just want to be able to set a goal and be happy after achieving what I set out to do. I think that will make me a happier student and just make my relationship with school a little bit less stressful. Um, I also rec recognize that, yes, I can set a goal and hope to reach it, but I also have to be realistic. I can't just set my goal to be get 100 in every class. You know, I have to set realistic goals. Um, my fourth goal is to read more books and no genre in particular, actually. I think reading a wider variety of genres will help me recognize writing styles that I like and maybe writing styles that I don't really enjoy. And maybe hopefully by the end of the semester, if I do have extra time, I would ideally like to write something of my own, something um, that's well-written that I'm proud of. Um, and some other things that I want to do sometime this semester are updating my website, apply for jobs, and build something. I've always wanted to build something, and I'm taking um, mechatronics, which is kind of like a robotics class. So in that sense, I will have to eventually build something, but I've never actually built a robotic anything, and I'm really excited to do that just because I want to know if that's something I like doing. Um, growing up, my dad was a robotics club kind of organizer for his school, and I never really got to play with his toys. So I think in some way this will be my one opportunity to do so and determine if that's what I want to do in the future. 
um, because mechanical engineering is a huge field and it's made up of like designers. It's made up of people who are tinkering with things. They are people who build things and I just want to see where I fit in. So yeah, that's been my January so far. Um, I hope that you enjoyed hearing me ramble about some of these books. And if you want, I can airdrop you a book, I think. Um, Just let me know.